Thank you so much, ladies. You open your Bible this morning, please, to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. As we continue our series called I Love My Church, and I trust it's been a blessing to you. I know it's been a challenge uh, to me as we talked about this theme and this topic. And today, we're going to talk about giving, uh, but not in the way that perhaps you're used to hearing it. We're not talking about tithing today. We're not talking about percentages today, as good as those things are. We're not necessarily talking about the offering that you see in the uh, plates that go by every Sunday. We're going to talk about how we love our church. I love my church by giving. And to do so, we're going to travel back to the early church here in the book of Acts in chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, if you'll be finding your place, please. Acts chapter 4. And we'll be reading verses 32 through 35. And uh, you can follow on in your copy of God's Word. I'll also have it on the screen uh, before you. If you forgot your Bible or you can't find it or whatever, that's fine. Uh, We'll have it on the screen before you. But let's look at what the early church did in regards to giving. Acts chapter 4, we'll begin reading at verse 32. The Bible says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. 
and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. Now, that is from the New King James. Let me read it to you if you'll listen uh, how the message has it. This is Acts chapter 4, 32 to 35 in the message. Listen to how it's worded. The whole congregation of believers was united as, as one. One heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. And the apostles then distributed according to each person's need. I love the phrase where it says there that no one said that's mine. You can't have it. Now, you need to know right off the bat as we study this, in case you're nervous, that what we're reading about here in Acts chapter four is not communism and it's not socialism. Uh, It's not taking from the rich and giving to the poor by by force. This is not forced giving. This is not forced lifestyle. It's voluntary. What we have here in Acts chapter four is love in action. And we know it's voluntary because of what happens in Acts chapter five. Let me just give you a little background on what's going to happen in Acts chapter 5. There's a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And they decided uh, they were going to sell some property. They were going to pretend to give all of the money from the sale of the property. But in fact, they weren't giving it all. They were holding some back and they were lying. And they were making a show of their supposed sacrifice. If you have your Bible open, notice chapter 5, verse 3. This is as Ananias comes in, chapter 5, verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Now, notice verse 4. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Do you notice that? Before you sold it, it was yours. After you sold it, it was your uh, proceeds. So it's under your control. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. And sad to say, if you keep reading the story, Ananias falls dead. Sapphira falls dead and great fear comes upon all the church. And uh, aren't you glad that God doesn't always do that? That when we lie to God or put on the show, God strikes us dead. We'd have to build a morgue downstairs, uh, wouldn't we? And I'd probably be the first one in the morgue. But uh, thankfully, God is gracious to us at times. It does not uh, take our life right away. Listen, God is not against us owning things. He's not against us owning things. In fact, if he were, how could he say in another, another part of the Bible, thou shalt not steal? Because if nobody's allowed to own anything, how could there be any theft? And so God is not against us owning things, but he is against things owning us. There's a great difference. He's not against us owning things, but he's against things owning us. And so let's get back here to Acts chapter 4. And I want you to think with me this morning about three principles when it comes to loving your church by giving. I love my church by giving. And as we think about these three principles, I think they'll be easy to get a hold of and hopefully take with you today. First of all, we need to understand when it comes to giving, when it comes to our things, the things we own, the money, the possessions, we need to release our grip. We need to release our grip. Look back in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now, the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and of one soul. 
Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Now, when it comes to money, when it comes to things, when it comes to possessions, many people keep a tight grip upon them. They're busy trying to save and multiply and expand and sad to say even hoard these resources. And while there's a place for most of those things, saving and giving and expanding, and we've talked about that in days gone by, if you want to go back and get some of those teachings, we must never try to hang on to money and things at all costs. In fact, we need to release our grip. We need to acknowledge what these believers did so many years ago. We need to admit that we really don't own anything. You say, wait a minute, preacher. You just said a moment ago that God's okay with us owning things. And it's okay to own things. And we do own things. And now you're saying we don't own anything. What do you mean? Well, yeah, it's okay to own things as long as you realize that you're not the real owner. And I'm not the real owner. Beloved, in fact, the only one who really owns anything is God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills the cattle stand on. And so it's okay to own things as long as you realize you're not the real owner. God has entrusted them to you. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the owner of everything. So in a sense, we understand, I hope that as, as we own a lot of things, we really don't own anything. It all belongs to God. And the best thing we can do is to release our grip and acknowledge his lordship and his ownership and submit those things, commit those things to him who is the true owner. So release your grip, loosen the muscles in your hand. You've been struggling to hold on to all these things. Release it and say, Lord, it's yours. God, it's yours. I acknowledge your lordship. I acknowledge your ownership. I acknowledge these things are not mine. They belong to you. You've given them to me. You've entrusted them to me. But ultimately, they are yours. And beloved, it's remarkable. When you'll release your grip, when you release your grip, there is such freedom. In fact, when you do that, I think you can enjoy the stuff that you've got even more. Why? Because when you give it back to him, you release the worry and the tension and the stress that goes along with trying to maintain all that stuff and keep all that stuff and hold on to that stuff. When you say, listen, Lord, it's all yours. I'm grateful that you've allowed me to have these things. I'm grateful you've entrusted these things to me. I'm grateful that you've given me uh, this quote unquote ownership, but I realize it's all yours. And so I give it to you. And with that, I give all the tension and the stress. And I'm not going to live my life trying to hold on at all costs. No, I'm going to release my grip of it. Just like these believers did. So the first thing we need to do is release our grip to relax those muscles, to let those things go and say, Lord, it's yours. The second thing that we find and learn from this passage is that God, God may want us. He may want us to tighten our belt. He may want us to tighten our belt. You ever heard that saying, tighten your belt, tighten our belt? I got to thinking about that idiom and where it came from. And, uh. You, you know, of course, it means to spend less money, uh, to, to have a lower standard of living. But I thought, where did this whole phrase tighten your belt come from? And I got to researching it. And I'm not sure this is accurate, but it came off the Internet, so it's got to be true. Uh, but it makes sense. It makes sense. This is the idiom definition. It says this saying comes from the Depression era when there was little money for anything, including food. 
So people had to tighten their belts in order to keep their pants from falling off. In other words, you have less money, you'll buy less food, you eat less, you lose weight, and you have to tighten your belt. And it may be that God wants you or me to tighten our belts. Now, sometimes we have to tighten our belt because of economic reasons. We have to. But I'm not talking about this morning tightening your belt out of necessity. I'm talking about doing it by choice or by obedience, if God were to lead you to do that. Look at verses 34 and 35 of Acts chapter 4. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. Now, I'm going to tread real careful here. And I want you to notice and really underline that I said God may lead you to tighten your belt. I can't tell you whether you should or shouldn't. I'm not I'm not in that authority. I don't have that place. I can't say that this is a matter between you and the Lord. It's a matter between me and the Lord. But the question I want to pose to all of us this morning is this. Are we open to the Lord's leading in this area? If God were to say to us, listen, I want you to tighten your belt. In other words, are you willing to sell stuff? Are you willing to give up things to downsize, to cut back, to to tighten your belt in order to be able to give and minister to other people more? You see, I see the early church here. They were willing to do that, not only willing, but they did that. And again, this is a matter between you and the Lord. But we do find it here. And so I must mention it to you. And so when it comes to our giving and to our stuff and to our money, first of all, we need to release our grip and say, Lord, it's yours and acknowledge his lordship and ownership. Secondly, we may be called upon by God to tighten our belt in order to be able to give more and to minister more. But there's a third thing here I want to share with you, and it's this. We need to open our hands. We need to open our hands. Look back again at verse 34. It says, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. Look at the end of verse 35. They distributed to each as anyone had need. Now, listen, it's one thing to release your grip. But it's something else to open your hands to the Lord. I want you to think about a set of open hands for a moment. Now, this is not an all state commercial, but uh, this is a set of open hands. Now, when your hands are open, think about that for a moment. When my hands are open, you could come up here this morning and you've got your baby dolls with you. You could place that baby doll in my hand, couldn't you? Because my hands are open. They're just open. And at the same time, somebody else would come and take that baby doll out of my hands. Why? Because I'm not gripping it. And I'm not holding on to it. My hands are open to the Lord. Now, imagine keeping your hands open to God. And God is able to come and place things in your hands. And by the way, doesn't God place a lot of good things in our hands? The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from the Father of light, to whom there's no uh, variables nor shadow of turning. So everything we have comes from God. And God places a lot of good things in our hands. And my hands are open. I've released my grip. My hands are open, Lord. And you placed all these great things in my hands. But my hands remain open. And so, therefore, if God so chooses, God can come and take things out of my hands. And I'm not snatching them and I'm not trying to hold on to them. My hands are open to the Lord. I realize that God can put in and God can take out and I'm just a vessel. 
And I believe the wisest choice of action to live as a believer is to live with an open handed posture before the Lord. To say, Lord, my hands are open. You give and you take as you see fit. You give and you take as you desire. And when my hands are open before the Lord and I see a need in my brother's life or I see a need in my sister's life or I see this family in the church struggling or I see they have this need and my hands are open for the Lord. I might want to say, well, Lord, I've got all this in my hands. Do you want to take some of this and meet that need of my brother or meet that need of my sister or meet the need of that family? Think about it. You know, sometimes we pray for the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's good. But sometimes we forget that we're the answer to our own prayer at times. In other words, God's already met the need and he's met it through us. And we're busy praying, oh, Lord, meet that need, meet that need. And I stop and I say, you know what? I can help meet that need. That's what these believers did in the early church. You see, this message this morning about giving is not about giving to the church corporately. As good as that is, we've talked about that in days gone by. This is more dealing with the idea of giving to the church individually. That is ministering to needs in the body of Christ. Now, sometimes we do that corporately. We might take a special offering or might give to the brotherhood or or the women's group or whatever. And and that's that's part of that. But I'm talking about you personally being open for the Lord, saying, Lord, I got all these things and you see a need. We're talking about loving our church, loving our brothers and sisters. The church is the believers that make up the church. And so I see a need in their life and I'm there and I say, Lord, do you want me to meet that need personally, individually? My hands are open, Lord. Now, I'll be honest, I think in many, many ways, Red Hill does a pretty good job at this. I'll just be honest. I've seen this in action. But as I study this, I, I wonder at times, does God want us to do more? Does he want me to do more? Does he want you to do more? See, this is a matter between you and God when it comes to this whole idea of giving and loving your church through giving. And, of course, for all this to happen, we've got to do what we talked about earlier in our series. We've got to live in community. We've got to live connected lives. Uh, and so as we seek to live connected life and community and we're bearing one another's burdens and we're rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep, it means that as we are living in community and living connected Christian lives, it means sometimes more than just empathizing with somebody or praying for somebody. Sometimes it means writing a check to that person. Sometimes it means taking and sticking some bills in an envelope anonymously and sticking it in their mailbox or sticking it where they're going to be. It may mean sharing a possession. It may mean taking something that you have and give it to them. See, that, that's what we're talking about in loving our church. You see, that's how I really love my church. When I'm willing to take that step to, that's costly. This kind of love is costly. And by the way, real love is costly. It's real. It's real costly at times. Look at what it costs Jesus in his love for us. But here's the wonderful thing, beloved. It's worth it. And it's such a blessing. Whether you're sharing food, whether you're taking a meal to someone who's sick, you're mowing their grass, you're paying a bill for them. You're giving them a love gift. Whatever it is that you're doing, as you do that of a heart of love for Jesus Christ, it's such a blessing. The Bible is so true, is it not? It is better to give than to receive. 
And it's amazing how much you're blessed when you see that. When you share with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, here's what I want you to notice. And I find it so interesting. Did you notice verse 33? It almost seems out of place when you think about it. Talk about giving and sharing and they were selling lands and fields and all these things. And they were helping everybody. But in verse 33, here's what it says. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Now, if you'd like to underline in your Bible, if you notice there, there are two great things mentioned. Verse 33 says there was great power. And then it goes on to say later in the verse, there was great grace. And this is in the midst of that passage talks about that they didn't hoard their things. They didn't keep their grip on things. They were willing to give them up and they gave them out freely. And because of that, there was great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Their their preaching, their witnessing was empowered. And great grace was upon all of them as they were obedient to the Lord. William MacDonald said there is mysterious power connected with lives that are utterly dedicated to the Lord. He says it seems that when God finds people who are willing to turn their possessions over to him, he gives their testimony a remarkable attractiveness and force. You know why? I think it's because it takes our focus off of stuff and off of money and it gets our focus on Jesus and other people. And so our eyes are not temporal and here building my own little kingdom, building what I want and what I can obtain and and what I can hold on to. My eyes are eternally set and I'm looking to Jesus and I'm looking to others. And it means that there, there comes great freedom in my life from worldliness and materialism and selfishness. And by the way, we battle that, do we not? In our world, especially in America, especially. There's a battle going on and and, and the world cries out, get all you can and save all you can and and, and sit on and sit on all you can and and don't give. And but listen, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible talks about here giving a sacrificial gift, giving sacrificial uh, living here. And when we get our eyes open and we release our grip and say, Lord, I acknowledge it's yours and and I'm open. If you want me to tighten my belt, I will. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, and my hands are open. If you want to take it out or put more in, I'm just a vessel. I'm just a funnel. I want to be used by you. It takes money and it takes stuff and it moves it from being a, a, a proof of a supposedly successful life. And it makes it into a tool for glorifying God. And that's what it's all about, it's glorifying God. Now, beloved, we see what the early church did here in the book of Acts. We read about it. We're amazed by it, perhaps. We, we, we ponder about it. We're thankful for it. We believe it. It's true. It's in God's word. But here's the question. What about us? What about us? We've got to move from this page to the page here, our lives. To this church, to this body of believers. And so to the Christians, I want to ask you today. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, may I just invite you to Christ today. Turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ. We'd love to help you with that. But this message is for the Christians primarily. Christians, let me ask you these three questions. Number one, have you released your grip? Have you released your grip? Or are you still busy trying to hang on all this stuff? It's futile. 
all this stuff we hang on to, one day, unless the Lord comes back first, when they bury us, it's all still going to be here. Somebody else can fight over it and wrangle over it. How much better to say, Lord, I release my grip. I acknowledge your lordship. I acknowledge your ownership. These things are yours. I'm just a steward. I'm just a manager. Lord, I give you these things. Thank you for them, Lord. But I give them to you. Secondly, are you willing? And again, this is a personal matter between you and God. I'm not saying do it or don't do it. That's between you and God. But are you willing? Are you open today to tighten your belt if God desires that in your life? So I think that willingness tells you a whole lot about where you are in this whole first decision. See, it's a lot easier if I already released my grip to tighten my belt. But if I'm still holding on, I don't want to tighten my belt. But are you open? Are you willing? And then thirdly, are your hands open to the Lord? Are you saying, Lord, listen, I know it's all yours anyway, and I'm just a manager. And Lord, I'm releasing my grip. I'm open to your guidance in my life. My hands are open. Now, Lord, you put whatever you want to put in my hands. And, Lord, you take whatever you want to take out of my hands. You are Lord over my finances. You are Lord over my possessions. You are Lord over my life. See, beloved, I told you, this goes way beyond. This isn't just about tithing and percentages. This goes way beyond tithing and percentages and giving and 10%. This covers 100%. This covers it all. And beloved, let's just wait and acknowledge it. It's all his anyway. So release your grip. Be prepared to tighten your belt. And keep your hands open for the Lord to use you for his honor and his glory. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. You have given us so many good things. In fact, everything good comes from you. Lord, we've been challenged today as we look at this passage of Scripture at these early believers and their love for one another. And Lord, we know today that there are those in this church family, in this local body of believers that have needs. And Lord, we realize today that you choose sometimes to meet those needs through other brothers and sisters in Christ. I dare even pray oftentimes. You use other believers. And so, Father, I pray right now, I know this is a very tough message. But I pray that if there are believers who have never released their grip, this will be the time where they do that. They give those things to you, the true owner. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be open to tightening our belts voluntarily, willingly, obediently. Going without or sacrificing or giving up or cutting back or downsizing in order to have more to give and to be used by you. But Lord, I do pray that all of us would live with open hands before you. Rejoicing and thanking you and enjoying your good blessings as you put things in our hands. And Lord, rejoicing and thanking you and blessing you as you take things out of our hands. Thank you for allowing us to be vessels for your honor and vessels that can be a blessing to other people. And Father, I pray that you would help us to live in community and live with our eyes and our ears open and be willing, ready and happy about being an instrument of ministering to a need in a brother or sister's life. 
Lord, I thank you for those who have ministered to my life in days gone by. I thank you for those you've allowed me to minister to. I thank you for those in this room that have ministered one to another. And, and you have already been working. And I pray for your continued work. Now bless this offering that we give on a daily basis. And bless our lives as an offering for you. And Lord, help us to truly give something to thee. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we want to sing that song, Something for Thee. 607, Savior, thy dying love, thou gavest me. Nor should I ought withhold, dear Lord, from thee. If you're here today, you've never received Christ. I've got great news for you. He's given you the greatest gift, his son. And if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ, he will save you. If you need to be saved today, I'll be down at the front. Come let me know that I'd love to put you with someone who will take a Bible and share Christ with you. The Christian, this has been a message for us. Whatever God's saying to you, would you be obedient today? The altar is open before you. You come as God leads you. 607 as we stand and sing something for thee.